What is your selling approach like? Are you selling in a way that your customers want to be sold to? From our research, only 10% of salespeople sell in a way that customers want. But what do customers want to see when they're being sold to? It's no secret that here at Consolia, we've embedded the sales values and mindsets that customers want to see in salespeople into everything we do. From our sales business school, through to our sales transformation offering, we've found that the key sales mindsets that you need to have are authenticity and client centricity, the foundations that every salesperson should have. It's the ability for a salesperson to be one's true self with the customer and putting them at the heart of all their sales activity and proactive creativity and tactful audacity, the differentiators. These are the main values that will set apart a salesperson from the rest. It is the potential to come up with new ideas that customers have not thought of themselves, as well as the art of knowing how far to go strategically. So how do you know if you've got them? Take our mindset survey to see if you possess these key values. It's really straightforward to use, will only take a few minutes to complete and you'll be sent your results straight after. You may just be surprised at the results yourself. Check out the show notes at the end of this podcast episode. What you do with the results next is your choice. We're happy to dive deeper into these results to discuss what they mean or even explore the idea of finding out if your customers see these key values in your approach. If you'd like to learn more about the sales mindsets, get a copy of my latest book, Selling Transformed, where we go deeper into the topic. There will be links to both the book and the mindset survey in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the episode. Having recently published a book of my own, it's great to talk to other authors who are helping make sales the world's most sought-after profession. In today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Beth Rogers and Dr. Jeremy Node, authors of Selling Professionally. I've known them both for a number of years now, so it's great to get them on the Sales Transformation podcast today. We explore their recently published book and discuss what sales practitioners will get out of it. It's also a great follow-on from the very first Sales Transformation podcast episode that I did around the topic of sales education. I encourage you to go back and listen to it to learn about the differences between sales training and sales education. So, Beth and Jeremy, first of all, I just want to say uh, a huge thanks for taking part in this uh, in this podcast. I am truly impressed with the thought and effort that has gone into the book Selling Professionally. And I'm absolutely thrilled that we have a chance to talk about it on the podcast. But before we get into the book itself, it would be great just to give the listeners a chance to hear a little bit about your background. So I don't know where to start. Maybe Beth, I should start with you and uh, you could just tell us a little bit about your history. Okay, well, I'm I'm a real maverick, Phil. I my first my first job was as a server in a fish and chip shop when I was um, uh, probably way too young to be doing it. Actually, I was fourteen. Um, but uh, yeah, I was in the IT sector for a long time, uh, working with key accounts. Um, I then decided to uh, do a master's at Cranfield um, and after that um, was doing a lot of consultancy work with Cranfield. Um, went back into the IT sector for a while and then transitioned into working as a full-time academic. I did a PhD on make or buy decisions in the sales organisation, which sounds incredibly dry, but was, of course... Uh, fascinating at the time and I've written um, 
academic pieces, pieces which are more entertaining and accessible for practitioners. Um, interestingly enough, this is actually the first textbook that I've written. A lot of the books with Malcolm McDonald have been practitioner oriented. Um, and this book uh, very much has uh, students first and foremost, uh, because it's mapped to the apprenticeship. So uh, nevertheless, I, I, I hope very, very usable for everybody interested in sales. Well, we'll talk about the apprenticeship initiative, I think a little bit later on, but um, that's great. And I, I didn't realize you'd sold fish and chips. I think my first uh, sort of foray into sales was I was a milkman. Um, all right. <laughs> scenario <laughs> yeah I'm sure I'm sure we've all got those kind of uh, interesting early career jobs that we had but it, it funny enough probably as as you found dealing with the public teaches you quite a bit about uh, about sales in a funny sort of way mm -hmm. even though at that age you probably don't have much chance to reflect on it as you <laughs> would do now but uh, that's great um Jeremy I wonder if we could ask you to do the same Okay, so thank you, Philip. Uh, happy to be here. Um, yeah, I've got quite a long career in sales and I'm still uh, involved in that. I was just thinking back to my first working experience. wasn't quite as glamorous as the chip shop. <laughs> I remember my first paid employment was picking up litter at Royal Ludham St Anne's for the Open Golf Tournament in 1979. They did a deal with the school and they sort of shipped us over to sort of wander around and uh, tidy up after everybody and that was my first paid employment. I would but, say that sounds fairly um, glamorous I, it, I, I would say like, that 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 yeah I think you've done pretty well on that one. Yeah it was good so you got to see the players and, and things like that but we we're, were quite it was at prep school so we we're quite young but you know working wise has been sort of always associated with sales and held sort of um, and certainly with the customer firstly you know, sort of 10 years in the automotive industry, then switching into, I would it be IT, but mainly about sort of intranets and, and Wi-Fi setups for for local government and selling those to us sort of in the late 90s, early uh, zeros. Um, and then I joined a company called BOC, uh, where I still am in sort of 2002, and held a range of positions. Uh, and for the past 10 years, I've been fortunate enough to sort of travel around the world working with sales teams in around 75 countries now, every continent apart from the two Arctics, as it were, uh, working with them, getting exposed to how people sell and, and their challenges with their individual markets uh, and sort of taking a role um, around how we can be more professional, how we can be more effective uh, and how we can transform the sales uh, activities. Uh, and that's been my focus for the past 10 years. And this year has been the year that I've traveled the least, which is kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it, uh, just for, for the benefit of the listeners uh, to the podcast is that it's quite rare to find people who've done uh, doctorates on the, on the topic of sales, I would say, if you compare it to other functions. So so you have on this call, actually, uh, three people now who've uh, got doctorates in sales, funny enough. Yep. <laughs> and if I could just go back to, to Beth and, and say that um, 
in terms of representing the sort of academic perspective, Beth is one of the, if not the, I would say foremost lead on that in this country. Um, Beth, you probably wouldn't say that, but I think I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I think I think you are the de facto kind of a sort of active lead from an academic perspective. I know Javier at Cranfield may lay claim to that as well, but is that right? I think I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's very kind of you. I, I guess I've um, been around for a long time promoting sales as uh, a, a topic to be studied and uh, explored in higher education. Um, and, you know, th this goes back to the early noughties and the opportunity I had at Portsmouth University to relaunch a master's which they'd uh, been piloting along with the Charter Institute of Marketing at that time. Um, and um, in doing that, I discovered all that was going on in the United States in sales education at the university level. Um, and, and really felt, you know, this was something we should pursue in the UK because, you know, it obviously has great advantages uh, for students and employers as well as the universities. Um, so, so, yes, I mean, thank you for the, the accolade. I, 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 you know, I'm still there. I'm still teaching uh, key account management and sales management in the UK and in Finland and, and helping with uh, a course in Ireland as well. Um, and I, I feel it's important. To, I mean, it's, it's something that, um, it, you know, the, the more we do this, the, the better the economy will be. Mm. Absolutely. And I don't know, um, Jeremy, just coming back to you, um, I believe that you were also a Portsmouth graduate. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I first met Beth on the the master's course you mentioned. I think I was on the uh, the second cohort or the, or the second bunch of people, and that was my return to education after quite a gap. Uh, and focused on you know getting behind the why and, 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 and what works and, and then taking that in terms of how you can apply it. And I think that's sort of like a lifelong lesson that you sort of get. You, you know, to have the information, have the knowledge by itself is good, but it's the application where you see benefits not only as an individual, but also for the company, the organization, the economy indeed. You know, we, we need to sell things to sort of grow the economy. Um, and so that was my first exposure. Uh, I did reasonably well with that. Uh, and so then I sort of stayed with Portsmouth. And uh, um, after that, I did my doctorate uh, focusing on improving sales performance and trying to understand what are the, the basic building blocks of, of, of sales and how we can sort of adjust those through, you know, a bit like uh, the... Um, British cycling team, you know, marginally improving a lot of different things mm. to get a, a net benefit action. So sort of focused on how you go about doing that. And that was sort of one of these research projects, which was built on the work we were doing in the day job um, across multiple organizations. So over sort of the past sort of know, 20 years now, it's been about trying to sort of broach not only the, it's, it's using that academic knowledge 
to make a difference in real life and, and practice it, which then sort of says, okay, and that links back to, I think, where we, we came to with, with the book, which is mm. about having this knowledge in a, a usable format mm. to build from this idea that people drift into sales, which is a common career path, you sort of end up in sales, to where people are intentional about being in sales and this intentionality as a sort of long-term career rather than something you need to do while you're waiting to become an accountant <laughs> is, is where we need to be to sort of build this professionalism. I think we, I think we all share the same uh, kind of vision from that point of view. And I think the other thing just to mention before we move on to the book itself is the fact that you are also very actively involved in the Journal of Sales Transformation and I have to say that the work you do in bringing some of the journals to our attention is also extremely appreciated. So. Thank you. Yeah, that's been enjoyable since since the since the inception. I've been fortunate to sort of uh, look after the sales research uh, for the journal, uh, and that keeps that to serve two points. One is it helps me sort of satisfy the need to disseminate and make people more aware of what what the potential is to improve. But also it helps keep me current, uh, which is very important for my day job as well in terms of sort of looking at the trends and what's what's occurring. So uh, double benefit, really. Absolutely. So I think on that note, we should talk start to talk about the book. But I think perhaps before the book, it's the um, I think it, it would be useful to talk about its genesis. You know, where did the idea come from? Um, Beth, I wonder if I could sort of come back to the starting point because you have mentioned apprenticeship and I think that's where a lot of the thinking in its design started so perhaps you could just talk us through that. Absolutely well I was um, a higher ed representative advising a trailblazer group for the level six um, sales executive apprenticeship um, yeah, subsequently uh, a level four was also designed and I was having conversations with the chair of the Association for Professional Sales and the APS have been absolutely solid and really focused on getting sales apprenticeships and, and getting the recognition that sales can be learned in the same way as other professions. And I, I said, well, you know, there's great things coming out of the Trailblazer groups, but it would be really good to have the standards which come out encapsulated with um, a book that's, that's focused on them. Because the apprenticeship standards are, are really quite different from the standard academic curriculum that you would find in a, a college or a university exploring a topic. In particular, the emphasis on skills and behaviours is very noticeable. And to my mind, some of the skills and behaviours which are being promoted in the apprenticeships are really 21st century. You know, they, they are about surviving, thriving in the modern workplace. So yes, so I was semi-retiring at that time and said, well, okay, I'll have a crack at it. And then fortunately, Jeremy was able to come along and help me after I had uh, immersed myself for the first draft of, of content 
to try and organize that into something that was was going to be the the living breathing uh, item that it is today so f- for those that might be listening to the podcast that don't know um, the situation in the UK, 0.5% levy is charged to those organisations who have a salary bill of more than 3 million. And this goes into a digital levy account. And that can be used by corporates against uh, approved apprenticeship training provision. And uh, the training provision is then provided within the context of a level four standard series of training modules, or if it's an undergraduate degree, a a level six, which would be a university qualification, uh, as well as an apprenticeship award. The key thing about the apprenticeship is the unique relationship between the employer, the student and the training provider. And the employer's role is critical in the success of the student. They need to know what their learners are going through. They need to know what projects their learners are doing as they go through each module so that they can then provide the support, the coaching like we've been talking about a little bit earlier on. Um, And I think that the book that you've produced can be enormously helpful for the employers to be able to kind of reference as we as we've been talking about earlier but is there anything else Beth? I think we should be very proud of the apprenticeship programs and I I mean they provide opportunities for uh, people in all kinds of roles to really be the best possible Um, And for employers, I think the advantage is the student is is with you. Um, They are being productive as they learn. And so therefore, you know, something that employers have always wanted, I think, which is the opportunity and uh, the the government support to help to upskill people they already employ and young people entering the workforce that that they want Um, it's a great framework I mean I I will moan about the bureaucracy of it uh, at times I'm sure everybody does Um, but but where you see the programs that that you're familiar with and um, I mean I've seen it um, quite often as an examiner um, of, of apprenticeship programs and you see the kind of output that the students are producing for their employers. And you think, wow, you know, this is a, a great investment. So, and I think for the young people, I mean, what's not to like about an apprenticeship? You get the work experience, you quite often get a professional qualification as well as uh, a degree or um, some other kind of academic qualification. Um, you have no debt. And so uh, it's a win-win-win. It is. And we've got um, our first graduating students in February. In a few weeks' time. How about that? Um, uh, What's also uh, amazing is we've not had one dropout since the beginning of the programme. You know, it tells you the commitment of the students, just to your point. You know, um, Mm. 
the energy levels um, have been extraordinary. And it's their personal stories, as hopefully the endpoint assessors will say, um, has been extraordinary. I mean, they really are a credit to themselves and the organizations for whom they work. So we can't, we can't wait to, to celebrate mm. actually the first group in a, in a few weeks' time. So uh, absolutely. It's been a, an amazing journey. And hopefully the UK, as a consequence of this, will be setting a very high standard, I think, maybe globally. Uh, we, shall, we shall wait and see, but I hope so. So I, I just want to say a few words about, about the standards themselves, because we also were actively involved, as you know, in the Trailblazer group and the output. So um, I think what Beth has just mentioned is terribly important in, in that the standards have been set not by the academic agenda per se, uh, it was influenced by it, but it was actually through collaboration with major companies. I mean, it's, uh, and that's what was so interesting about the journey that, that we went through on that Trailblazer group. The fact that by working with a combination of academic institutions like Portsmouth and Middlesex University, and I think uh, Anglia Ruskin were involved as well at the time, that we've come up with something I think that is incredibly strong. And I, I, I think it's also uh, a reason why since we have started launching the undergraduate program, the BSc, it's been so popular. I mean, the, the numbers of students now coming through the program uh, and the type of companies that are putting their students on the program is fantastic. You know, they look at that curriculum and they say, you know, it's a no brainer. You know, they can mm. they can see it matching what they think is important. There's there's not a topic that isn't relevant, you know, for most companies in a yes. business to business sales environment. And I think that's a great strength. As you said, I mean, you know, obviously the government are very emphatic about the fact that the apprenticeship standards must be employer-led. They have had that as, as a guiding principle from the very beginning. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, there were employers from all different types of sectors. And the thing was, I guess, was that it did have to be comprehensive enough so that all sectors could use them, could use the standards. And that's what's been achieved. And it, yeah, it, it's excellent, you know, an excellent framework for the learning that will make a difference to people's performance. What I have enjoyed, I mean, the, when I first got your, your book, I thought, my goodness, that, that's a big book. Yeah. <laughs> You've got, I don't know how many pages, uh, 400 plus with yeah. all, the, all the bits. I thought, my gosh, that, because I, you know, as you know, I've just written a book and it's not quite the same number of pages as yours. And I know how much effort goes into writing. <laughs> and then I had a flick through, just a flick, you know, flicking the pages through. And I said, my, you know, just looking at the topics, you know, finance, the buying process, I'm doing it now as I'm flicking through <laughs> your book in front of me. And, you know, it's an amazing piece of work, but I, I just want to say that the style in which you've written the book is also great because it it's as if you are speaking to the student, you know, you're speaking to the person who's going to use it. And that's probably what you had intended it to be. It's not an academic book per se. I mean, it is, but it, 
is written in a very easy to read style as well. I don't know, Jeremy, I can see you also <laughs> about to chip in, so. Yeah, I think that was very important because if we think, if you go back to sort of the standards, the standards are, are, are exceptionally good for the sales and, and development time. The risk that I thought, and which is one of the reasons why I thought it's a really good project to be involved in, was people do all this work about creating the standards and then you sort of print them out, put them in the folder and they go on the shelf. And then how do they sort of get translated into real life? And then we thought about, uh, and certainly when I sort of started working through, through, through with Beth, is how do we make sure that if you think who's our, who's our, who's our target audience, who are we selling this concept to? That, you know, we're selling it to you know, the 18 to 25s, ideally, those people looking to go into this as a career at the early stage. And therefore, you, you kind of have to switch it around in terms of getting the ideas across. You know, you won't see many academic textbooks which sort of quote Star Trek. You won't see many academic textbooks that talk about, you know, laying your clothes out in the evening to prepare you for exercise in the morning. You know, so it's about trying to conceptualise it and bring it into real life uh, and 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 trying to get, make sure we get the, the complex concepts across, but in a very consumable manner, which is another reason why, um, you know, it's quite a big book. But it's a big book because we cover everything of the standards, but we also we break it down into chunkable parts that either can be taught or, you know, learnt about, read about on their own, which builds the overall picture of what we need to do end to end. I quite agree. I, I think it, it is um, a book that you can easily dip in and out of and you can, you know, choose a chap, you know, that you don't have to read it sequentially. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you can, you know, if you're about digital selling, you know, you could go to that chapter and start to to kind of look at its content and start to think about it. Um, if you're looking at closing a sale, you, you know, you can go to that chapter, which is great. Um, the way that I saw it, and it may may not be correct, but I saw this almost as a as a reference book that you could go mm-hmm. to and go back to on frequent, you know, at a frequent level. I must say, I've already learned some things from your book that uh, I was a bit rusty on, particularly on the section on double entry bookkeeping (laughs) (laughs) but it's important you know understanding the commercial you know the commercial frameworks is a key part of selling you've really got to know it and so I there's all sorts that one can pick up on but can you uh, Beth I know before this podcast I asked you which you know what did you enjoy most about the book what chapters did you enjoy most writing about I wonder if I could come back to that question. Yes, we um, we had a good discussion about this because in a way, um, what I assumed starting to write a textbook aimed at level four was, oh, this will be fairly straightforward. I know this stuff. But when I started getting into the apprenticeship standard, I thought, aha, you know, this is, um, this is a, 
different way of approaching a program of learning because there is so much on skills and behaviours. Now, obviously, you don't acquire a skill or learn a behaviour from reading about it in a book. All the book can do is provoke your thinking, suggest some activities, suggest how you use those activities um, in order to you know, reinforce that practical learning. But writing those chapters, and I think in particular the behavioral chapters, and, and we talked about resilience, which is, you know, do you learn resilience from, from reading a book? No, but if the book explains to you what it is and what you have to go through in order to develop it, then when you experience difficulty in the workplace, um, you know, that comes to mind and, and you think, right, OK, I've got some coping mechanisms. I, I know what I'm going to do here. I feel less stressed out by this situation. So it was a challenge to write that. As I mentioned to you, um, you know, conversations with people who are experts in psychology and picking up the right frameworks such as Carol Dweck's Mindsets, in order to um, try and really be practically helpful in what what you read about before you go into a difficult situation. So I was learning as I went and also thinking very hard about how to make a useful contribution to somebody who's starting out in their career. You know, I'm fortunate that um, I've dealt with many students and and kept in touch with with many people who've been through sales courses. And, you know, you have those conversations and email exchanges about, oh, X happened today. And I thought about when you were teaching such and such. You know, I wanted to have that effect. I wanted to equip people with things that were going to help them as and when they came across situations at work. Yeah, that's very interesting. What about for you, Jeremy? What would you know? What did you enjoy doing? I think mainly my piece was about looking at the the, the, the construct, both at you know at, almost at the paragraph level, but also the flow of it. But then I was trying to think about what what do you do when you onboard somebody, and trying to map out what we like to do to get people settled in the organisation confident in their what they need to do and, and that sort of thing and I was sort of reflecting I'm probably sort of more right at the start where we think about you know why are we doing this what are the values what are the visions and mission because we'll go there and, you know, have an onboarding session you know as a new salesperson and the, the sales director or somebody important will come along and say yeah this is our vision these are our values and you kind of go like okay so what and so how do you tie that together in terms of what you do and so you almost sort of start with, with pretty much chapter one links to chapter 20, back to the ethics. And so it links all the way through to say, yeah, the reason you have a value, the reason you have a mission, and how you display that and do that is in the ethics piece. And then you sort of move through and say, yeah, people are going to talk to you about lots of jargon, about lots of things, about businesses and things like that. Let's cover that so you know, before you get distracted by actually trying to get out and talk to a customer, Let's know the basics and then and those sorts of sections which sort of lay a, a foundation. And then you've got the context about how to prospect or how to have a meeting or whatever it may be. 
but you've got the context there about what are you doing to make sure that you're doing it to provide value for yourself, your customers and your organization. And I think that's the, the bits I enjoyed the most, making sure the jigsaw puzzle comes together. Well, I certainly think it does in a, a great way. And, and we've mentioned the APS a few times, you know, and we talked about ethics and it's great to see that that's quite a strong chapter. Well, it is a very strong chapter and, and you provide the links to the APS, I believe. And, and also, I love the ethical dilemmas, you know, that you um, had in the book as well, because uh, salespeople are always going to find themselves confronted with awkward decisions. Uh, when I talk about ethics, I, I, I share the story of actually only one person in my entire sales career has asked for me to give him money for placing a deal with them. It was quite overtly done. And I must admit, I was shocked. And he worked for quite a large American company. So it was totally unexpected. But that was quite an overt, you know, definite no-no. But there's been so much about mis-selling, particularly in this country. And I think selling has had over the years, uh, you know, a stigma about it, which all of us in sales are wanting to change, of course. But I think that, you know, that section on ethics, as you say, Jeremy, is kind of, and purpose. <laughs> These elements are terribly important and they're important for, for organizations like yours, Jeremy. You know, it's, it's a key it's a key value, as you were saying at the very beginning. So the market, I think, for this book was the younger person perhaps coming into sales. That's, that's for whom you wrote it. I have to say, I think it's also something that those of us who have been in sales for quite a few years would value tucking into, in fact. Yes, uh, typically it's something that people can use for uh, either revision purposes or coaching purposes. Um, you know, we recognise that a very important part of the apprenticeship is that senior salespeople and um, sales managers will be mentoring people, not just the, the younger entrants, and there'll be people transitioning into sales, maybe from engineering, and so if you're in a mentoring role, it, it's quite useful to have a, a reference book. So, well, you know, if this comes up, um, what can I think about? I'm very glad you've mentioned that. I think it's a brilliant idea. And it's, it's often the perhaps the slightly weak part of the apprenticeship, isn't it? It's the tripartite, you know, conversations. Sorry, tripartite is the conversation between the learner the teacher and uh, the manager mm -hmm. and quite often we find that the learners are acquiring a higher degree of knowledge and skills than the managers do um, so for those managers that are interested yes come and talk to us about coming on on the program but but actually the book I think would be fantastic for them as well yeah really really yes I hadn't hadn't occurred to me that it would be good for the managers as you say to have a quick reference book on any of the modules they're attending. Yeah, and I think uh, just to reinforce that, I think, you know, we still see, and we still see the data that coaching makes a difference in sales. And the fact that we can, we, we've broken it down. So, you know, they could have a coaching encounter, a coaching plan and look at it. And, and it also, it provides a common ground. So, okay, we've got to, we're going to work on this skill, this behavior, whatever it may be. Then this could be, this is the, the textbook to say, okay, 
well, this is what we need to be doing. Do you understand what we need to be doing? And also I, as the coach, can also see against this how I'm going to work. So I think that is a really useful book for, for the sales managers and coaches. And I was just looking this morning um, at some of the reviews that we had on Amazon. And it, uh, the one that took me was sort of, it doesn't promise, this book does not promise you anything. It's not one of these books that sort of says, you know, become a millionaire overnight and things like that. What it does do is be useful in a readable manner. Mm. And I think that's very important for any of the looking to join the profession or already in the profession that, you know, something that's useful is sometimes significantly undervalued. And I think actually sort of having a single point rather than sort of buying 27 different books, one about sort of talking about leads, one about prospecting, one about objections and things like that. Let's bring it all together. So we've got the solid foundations first. And then if you want to specialize, uh, whereas a lot of what we see and what we saw in the place was it's all micro focused and you don't get the context about how to be truly good or even world class. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we wanted to do, I mean, um, obviously at level four, you expect some breadth in content and certainly the apprenticeship standards are broad And we wanted the depth in the sense of making sure that there were empirical research sources for the things we were saying, that also we were finding examples and, you know, a helpful comment from practitioners. Now, obviously, we we have also said at the end of each chapter, well, you know, if you want to go and read more, here's some things that you could go for. So yeah, I mean, the the book, um, it it covers the basics and then there's signposts there. And we talked earlier about the difference between the level four standard and the level six standard. Obviously the level six standard takes learners on a bit further, Um, but there's, there's plenty of pointers in the book to use to get the extra depth on particular topics. I totally agree. Well, on that note, I think we probably covered what we need to on the podcast. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Thank you very much for the opportunity, Phil. When you've sweated blood and tears (laughs) over a book, um, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to somebody who's actually used it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, I definitely have. And of course, yeah, I've been through a similar experience, uh, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. and I know how much effort goes into it. And uh, I have to commend your your thoroughness, you know, in all the topics that you've covered and uh, the style in which it's been written as well. So thank you <laughs> for taking part. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you both. Great to have Dr. Beth Rogers and Dr. Jeremy Node on the show. No doubt that this book will have a huge impact on those sales practitioners who are in their early stages of their career or even going through a level four or level six apprenticeship themselves. And as Beth mentioned, senior sales professionals can also find value in the book. At Consolia, we offer a level six B2B sales degree, whereas Dr. Beth Rogers mentioned, the students can come out of the program with an extensive knowledge of sales as a profession and gain an undergraduate degree in sales, as well as an apprenticeship award. Check out the show notes to find out more. Well, if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share this with at least one other salesperson whom you think will benefit from listening to it. 
I'm very much looking forward to welcoming you on another podcast soon. Cheerio.